Welcome to the Unschool Podcast. At Unschool, we deliver you stories of the people among us who built successful lives non-traditionally. Whether they skipped college, dropped out of school, or have overcome great adversity and still managed to design successful lives personally and professionally. Here, you'll learn how to skip college, start a business or career, and gain a level of understanding surrounding your purpose, unprecedented to anything you've heard before. The stories we share and the people we feature aren't the world-class entrepreneurs you hear about every day. These are the success stories that Forbes aren't featuring. The levels that our guests are at are levels that you can easily attain. If you'd like to share your story, please visit unschool.club to learn more. Hi, Krista. Thank you so much for joining us at the Unschool Podcast today. We're so happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. I have to say, I watched your TED Talk and it's amazing. Your TED Talk is, who do you think you are? Answer this to get more confidence. So tell me a little bit about that. How did you become a TED Talk speaker and what was the process through that? First of all, I have to admit that I was dreaming about, daydreaming about a TED Talk, a TEDx Talk for years. I've been watching TED Talks and TEDx Talks for more years than I would like to admit. Because <laughs> they're great ideas and I was envisioning myself stepping up on this red round carpet and speaking about something. I didn't know what, but I kept thinking about that. And some people might call it visualization. Mm -hmm. I called it daydreaming, oh. plain daydreaming, <laughs> <They're> <laughs> unapologetically. Kind of, oh, they're kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. A little bit? Yes. So I started putting myself out there with videos and I was basically sharing my thoughts and some of uh, the lessons learned through my clients' experiences and of course mine. And someone noticed, I have a YouTube channel where I Put all these stuff, all these videos, and someone told me, oh, we are having this uh, TEDx event. Would you like to apply? We saw your videos and we liked, we liked all your content. And I said, okay, I thought in, in TEDx events, there are usually people who have invented something, have uh, some kind of nonprofit, have some great idea. And I was thinking, mm -hmm. What on earth am I going to share in the TEDx? And in, in speaking with my friends and my family and, of course, a lot of self-talk, I realized that there is a common pattern in my life and in the lives of the clients that I've been having as a hypnotherapist. Most of them were women. And the common thread that I realized was that most of them didn't think they were enough. And coming from a corporate background, I could totally see that women were not getting the promotions as often as men because, not because they were incompetent or less educated. No, they were less likely to ask. And why were they less likely to ask? Because they didn't believe in themselves, because they didn't believe they were thin enough, educated enough, beautiful enough, smart enough, whatever this was, women, most women were like, I have to study more. I have to um, get more certifications. I got to have all these things to back me up because I don't believe I can do it by myself. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I realized that there's always this little voice in most people. Women are more susceptible to this. That little voice is, comes from our past, from when we were children. And in the modern psychology terms, they call it inner child. And this voice always has a positive intention, but it's stopping us from actually going for the next step, going for the next level, making the sale, making the ask, asking for a raise, or speaking up, speaking your truth. So I said, okay, I'm going to talk about that. And that's how I decided my idea. I sent my application. It was a wonderful experience to prepare, just prepare for it. I mean, it right. was very exciting because you have to write a thesis, a small one-page presentation, 
and then the video presentation. So to all of you out there who would like to share your idea in a TEDx event, find, it doesn't have to be a unique idea. It doesn't have, find a unique way to say it Mm -hmm. and share it with uh, generosity. You have to be generous with, with that. Have in mind the person, the one person who will hear your idea and will decide to act a little different in their lives. And that will have a positive change in their lives. And obviously it's been, it was, it's very popular talk. It has over 26,000 views. So that's something that I didn't expect. (laughs) That's amazing. And you like, you're so confident. Your message is delivered so authentically and genuine. I loved, loved your Ted talk. Thank you. You said that the inner child has good intentions. So how can it have good intentions when a lot of the time it holds us back? Think of it as um, a memory from the past. So let's say something that is really common in, uh, in parents is to say children are not supposed to talk when grown-ups are, are speaking. Oh, they, children are to be seen and not heard. Exactly. That's I another way to that. say it. Exactly. So we grow up with this belief that, okay, I am safe as long as I am not, I'm not making noise. I'm not being seen. I'm silent, zipped, zipped up. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we grow old and we grow up and we become adults and we go out in the world and the workplaces and we realize that, oh, I'm still acting like the five-year-old. These are examples where the inner child has taken over and is holding us back because of fear. Fear of change, fear of failure, fear of success. And my suggestion is to have a dialogue with this inner child and see how we can make it more comfortable for, for her or him to move to the next level. We have first to become friends with it, nurture it, and then the inner child is going to be the, the part of ourselves that will boost us forward, either if, if it's uh, confidence-related or creativity. That's, mm-hmm. that's what, I, what I believe. That's amazing. I love it. How do you overcome those fears? Can confidence be taught, first of all? I always thought up until recently that confidence, you were born confident. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Until I was exposed to the world of hypnosis and uh, physical therapy and, uh, excuse me, <laughs> the, the psychology and all the, the ideas around that, I thought it was something that you were born with. Now I know it's a, it's a skill mm-hmm. like any other skill. It can be taught. So that's great news for people struggling with confidence, right? Great news. Yes. Yes. How? How can you teach it? First of all, you have to make peace with the things that scary. And I'm not suggesting go after your fears. No, there's, there's other ways that you can actually build confidence. One little step at a time. When I moved to the U.S., I originally come from Greece. You can tell by my thick accent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was afraid to go out. I was, everything was different. Everything was bigger, first of all, here in the U.S. Everything was faster. The highways, the, the people. Um, I used to watch movies with subtitles, but in real life, people didn't have subtitles. So I had <laughs> issues understanding them. So what I did was one step at a time. Okay, I'm afraid to drive. Let's take a drive around the, the, the block. And then let's drive to the next uh, closest uh, supermarket, the grocery store. And slowly, I built my confidence into driving. Just there's, no, there's no magic pill. You have to see what you're comfortable with and just experiment. I call it curiosity experiment. I love curious it. Curious about how you would feel. Oh. Do not, I, I, don't, I don't, I wouldn't go for the 
smash your fears approach. No. <laughs> I believe that self-love is really important and we have to have a gentle approach, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to building confidence. Yeah. So back to fear, how do you help your inner child stop with that dialogue and overcome those fears of success or failure or, or confidence? My approach is usually go back to a time where something happened that was shocking. Like someone told you, Shh, don't speak. Or there were many cases where there's some kind of abuse. And go back to that time, but as an observer and establish a relationship with your inner child as a friend, as a mentor. And reassure the inner child that you saw what happened. It is not your fault. Whatever happens that moment, the child says, it's my problem. It's me. It's because of me that this is happening. Well, as a responsible adult, we have to go back there and correct this uh, belief that says, oh, it's me. And to say, it's not you. It's someone else's action or reaction. It doesn't mean that you were bad or not enough. Right. Because after, after that incident, as children, we try to fulfill that void that tells us, oh, we're not enough. In establishing this relationship and correcting the belief, the inner child relaxes a little bit. It's more open to exploring. It's more open to trying new things. It's more open to uh, let you do the things that you're afraid to do. Amazing. So the positive intention behind that is all, why I say it's always positive. Because the intention every time is to keep you safe, to protect you. Mm. So what we experience as holding back, this holding back has this positive intention of safety and protection. But it hurts us a lot. It does. It does. Mm. And there is this notion of, well, if you see a pattern in your life and you have dreams of going places and something is stopping you, stop for a moment and, and uh, put your life in the microscope and see what's going on. Examine your life. Socrates uh, used to say, the unexamined life isn't worth living. Mm. Well, that's what I'm suggesting. It's uh, go back to these moments, question yourself, question your intentions, question your fears, question your dreams. It always has to do something with a, either a limiting belief or pattern, which is, goes back to limiting beliefs. And they're so important to recognize those patterns so we can unwind them, right? The moment we realize that, the moment we recognize it, the moment we become conscious of it, it all it takes is one action at a time. Mm, that's great advice. I love that. Let's talk about your super impressive resume. So what all do you do? Tell us about your mission and passion and, and the things that you offer to your audience. Someone recently asked me, well, what's your mission? Mm -hmm. And uh, since we're talking about the inner child, I regressed back to a time where I, I was listening to my parents fighting through the, through the room, through the, through the door. And I realized that I wanted to stop them from fighting but I had no voice. Literally, I was opening my mouth. I was trying to speak. I had no voice at that moment. Wow. And I, I remember taking a vow, a vow of always helping other people, other children to speak up. Oh. At that point, I couldn't help myself, but it was easier you know, to take this uh, into consideration. So in taking that vow, I realized that even though I started in, in a really different path, I started by being a political scientist and an advisor to elected politicians, I slowly started to speak to children, not children in the age sense, but in the inner childs of adults. And I realized that I've come full circle in that. Wow. Really recently. So my, my, my mission, my goal in, in life is to help people find their authentic voices, show up and speak up. That's amazing. And you have thecrystalgroup.com, right? Yes. 
a website, yes, which you offer a lot of advice to public speakers on how to yeah. gain confidence, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you have a published book. Yes. And you have a show on YouTube. Exactly. Okay. Oh, you've done your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your show on YouTube. So as, as I said before, this is how I got found by TEDx organizers. Um, I started it as a experiment because mm -hmm. I've started a lot of things in my life. Okay, I'm going to start this and see how it feels. I was basically sharing my thoughts on different personal development aspects. And uh, I was sharing my best practices. That's all I did. And then I started having clients that had to deal with a lot with their fear around public speaking. And I saw the need of more information around this concept, around this uh, subject. So now, right now, the Krista Group show is a, is, a, is a show that is split between public speaking tips and personal development tips. Mm, okay, that's good. That's amazing. I love that. So the Unschool podcast features people that non-traditionally build their lives, right? So why did you come on the show today? And in what ways have you been able to do that? I'm inspired by, by the whole mission of your show because we are in a really weird time where we have to, there's this notion that they say that you have to have a college degree in order to succeed in life. But I believe, and there's countless examples to prove that, that you don't really. Mm -hmm. Because life is the biggest school, right? Now, having that said, I, I believe in certain professions, you need some kind of background. You need some kind of background knowledge, some basis. Right. And I was having this conversation with a friend recently where she said, well, as a, as a coach, as a life coach, I don't need a, to learn anything. It's my life. And I well, said, this is dangerous. That's <laughs> dangerous. You, you will be coaching people mm -hmm. in their lives matters. You have to go to a course, take something to right. have a base. There has to be a balance. Yes. And the unschool idea isn't no school, no learning. It's actually to become a lifelong learner. So instead of four years of an institution, you're really investing in your personal development over your lifespan. So that's really scary that a life coach doesn't want to learn. <laughs> yeah, that specific one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the, the idea of lifelong learning. At the same time, I believe we live in the... In the period of of time where the knowledge is out there mm -hmm. fully accessible from anyone yeah and that's one of the really good things that technology has done to help us reach information yeah the age of information right in, in the tip of our fingers yeah it's amazing i remember a time where i was in high school i believe where i had to actually go to library to research for school <laughs> that was hard <laughs> it was hard oh yeah the power of take... indexing the internet is like i don't even know if we comprehend how amazing that is we don't yeah. have to go like dewey decimal system like we can literally search key terms and it will serve up pages of information it's incredible i believe we're blessed Oh, because beyond. Of that. Yes. Beyond. Sorry, not to interrupt you. So you went, went to high school and you had to get, go to the library. Oh my God. Yes. I think we finished on that topic. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> We're talking about Google and yes. the age of information. Right. Yeah. You can literally learn anything now. So, you know, like if you wanted to start a social media marketing agency, there's tons of programs out there if you wanted to. And I, you mentioned experimenting. So I always, like daydream about these kids instead of going to college, taking all of that money, not all of it, uh, investing in some of these businesses that they could start. Like say they wanted to try a social media marketing agency. Well, buy a couple courses, learn about it, start it. If even if you don't like it, you only probably put in, you know, less than $4,000 and you can move on to the next something, whether it's being a public speaker or anything, there's tons of information out there. And I think it, that would serve people so much better than these four-year institutions 
that, you know, make you take pointless classes a lot of times. Not saying that college is right or wrong for everybody, but some people it isn't right for. It wasn't right for me. You went to college in Greece, right? Yes. Okay. What did you go to school for? Political science. Political science. And you don't use your degree now? Right now, no. Right now, no. Do you think you will in the future? If I want to back to Greece, yes. Uh, I don't think that my degree has... Uh, so here in the U.S., it matters in which college mm, you went to. It does. So coming from Europe, I don't think that would be so... I, I have no clue. I have no idea. Does Greece... Is, do you guys have free education? Yes. And that makes a huge difference, right? Yes. So for well, that... Free, I would say- Free on terms that we don't, we don't pay any, any college tuition, but we have to pay for rent, food, etc. Right. But you're free to come and go as you please. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. And on top of that, to, uh, to actually be admitted to a university, we have to pass really a difficult exam at the end of, uh, of high school. Oh, wow. Wow. So w- do you remember your first speaking gig? <laughs> yes. Were you nervous? Tell me about that. My first professional speaking gig or my Let's first do, ever? Let's do professional speaking gig because your first ever was probably in high school, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. When you were in high school, did, giving your speech, did you ever think you would do that as, as a profession? No. No. <laughs> I wanted to, but I was too scared. Mm. I was always impressed by people who were fluent in speaking and they had this charisma, but I would never dare. I was a shy, silent, really quiet child. And yeah, nobody recognizes me now. (laughs) You cannot make me stop talking. (laughs) Oh, that's great. The first time I spoke professionally, it was in English. It was not in Greek. Hmm. That was my biggest challenge because in the beginning, when I moved here, my accent was even thicker. Wow. Every time I would open my mouth and talk, people will frown. They're actually make their eyebrows meet in the middle. Like, (laughs) what is she saying? What? What do you mean? What's that? I hear an accent. And I was annoyed and terrified by this reaction all the time. Mm. So that would add to my nervousness. I would do it either way. You would do it either way. So the first time you ever got on stage, did you feel like you were going to throw up? I was shaking. I couldn't control my knees. Like oh. my knees had their, their mind of their own. Oh, I can feel it now. I can feel exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. It just gave me goosebumps. Shake it out. Shake it out. <laughs> oh, I'm scared of public speaking. So. Oh, you are? Yes, well, I Let me tell you a secret. Okay. Imagine a speaker that you admire. Okay. You, you have the name? Okay. Brene Brown. Excellent. Um, I know for a fact, because I've read one of, all of her books, mm-hmm. that every single time Brene Brown goes on stage, she is terrified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's not a moment where she feels, oh, okay, I got, I got this. Yeah, let's do it. And ev- you can find that in every speaker no matter how experienced they are no matter how well they know their subject no matter how confident they are confidence doesn't have to do anything with this it is a normal reaction of our reptilian brain the most ancient part of our brains and it's normal the moment we realize that it's normal and if we manage to do the first few seconds the more we are on stage the more easier it, it, it becomes. We have to realize that there is this public speaking jitters because we actually care. Mm-hmm. One of my suggestions to overcome public speaking fear and the anxiety when it comes to speaking in public is think of the other person. How do you want them to feel by the end, by the end of your talk? Mm. And focus in them or focus in your message. Do not worry about, um, so we, we get this anxiety because we think that we are going to be judged, ridiculed, or Fall. thrown out, of, yeah. or thrown out of, of the tribe. Mm-hmm. That was, that's a tribal fear. Right, yeah. 
once we realize that nothing of that source, nothing of that is going to happen, then slowly we become to relax. Now, if that doesn't happen, I have another solution for you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Instead of trying to push your nervous energy and your stress and all these feelings you get in your body and say, relax, relax, relax. Instead of saying that, take a pen and send all your nervous energy to that pen. And then simply, once you visualize all that energy going to that pen, simply put the pen down. What this does to the brain is to trick our minds to believe that we gave it a home. We didn't have to push it. We didn't have to kick it or whatever, uh, what, whatever else act of violence. We gave it a home. Oh now, my gosh. We have it here and our body's here in a different place than the pen. And we're ready to give our presentation. Oh my gosh. I just did that. So, because this is a podcast, you can't see, but I just did that and followed <laughs> Chris's instructions. And the pit in my stomach immediately went away when I put the pen down because I was okay. like, I wanted to get my nerves so I could see if I could. Wow, that was so cool. I've That's never heard cool. that. Yay. That's awesome. I love now you're, you're sitting in, in front of your computer, but let's say that you are uh, ready to go up on stage and you know, there are more than X amount of people getting ready to listen to you and the pen doesn't work. Okay. I have another trick for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> A few 10, 10 or five minutes before you get on stage, start doing wall push-ups wall push-ups yes okay if if your outfit doesn't allow you to get down on your knees and start doing push-ups put put this energy into action because this nervousness is some kind of energy Mm. and in order to get rid of it you have to do something with it so any kind of physical exercise jumping up and down dancing power posing push-ups Anything will help. Oh, wow. In fact, uh, I think Tony Robbins is one of the speakers that does push-ups every time before he gets up on stage. Oh, my gosh. And he's one of the best public speakers in the world. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that every guest I've had on has mentioned Tony Robbins. I think he should just be a sponsor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, my. Well, so emotion, I've learned, is E hyphen, motion, energy in motion. Mm-hmm. And when we move and can let it have its full cycle, we can let it go, right? Exactly. Yes. I love that. I think that Tony Robbins says that. Emotion does he? Motion <laughs> or the, the other way around. I'm he probably sure. does. I'm sure he does. I think I read that and maybe like, I don't know why Buddhism is the way. I think that was the book or something, but it was sort of like a spiritual book, but it does work. Like you do feel it. I mean, that pit in your stomach is obviously needs to move. Yes, exactly. And have you ever been in a situation where you're angry or upset and someone tells you, just relax, and has the opposite outcome? Yes. <laughs> it's the same in our, in our, in our body. When we say mm-hmm. to our, when we're anxious and we're about to get on stage and we're having this reaction to stress, and we say to ourselves, just relax, it won't work. Yeah, right. Do something with that energy. Oh my gosh, it just came to me. It, I actually read it in Louise Hayes, one of Louise Hayes' books. Have you read her books? Yes. I love her. So, and she always talks about when you're angry or you need to get something out to go put your head in a pillow and scream and beat it up. <laughs> and that was the beating part. Yeah, I the beating. I mean, if somebody was a fly on the wall, they'd be like, this chick is nuts, but. It really works. (laughs) (laughs) It does. It does. Do you like her? Do you like her work? I love her work. Yes. Me too. Me too. That was one of the books I got that was on the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it from the first moment. Right. I think it was one of her angel books. Angel. I don't know if I've read that one. I've read How to Heal Your Life and um, The Path. No, the power within is Tony Robbins. 
How to unleash your... Nope, that's Tony Robbins. She has like <laughs> one... <laughs> I'm getting all my stuff mixed up. Something Power in the title. She has quite mm-hmm. a few books though and, mm-hmm. and audios and she's just great. Speaking of Louise Hay, I, I use in every workshop I have, I use one of her techniques about forgiveness. Oh, yes. That's a good one. Tell us about it. So when we think about forgiveness, the most difficult people to forgive, it happens to be in many people. It's our parents. It's always a hot topic. Guilty. (laughs) Guilty. I believe believe most of us are. Mm -hmm. So I'm using her technique where she says, um, ask your parents about their childhood Uh uh, in an interview form. And just be curious about what, what was going on as they were growing up. And you will be amazed on how much more compassionate and understanding you will feel afterwards, after learning about their childhoods and how they grew up in terms of how they treated you as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, most of our parents were not lifelong learners. No. And they just took the upbringing guidelines from, well, how they were brought up. Generations before, right? Exactly. So... In this sense, Louise Hay says that forgive your parents because they did the best they could, the resources that they had. Mm -hmm. They -hmm. didn't have any books about parenting like we have right now, or they didn't want to pick one. Right. And pick one and read. So they had the best intentions with the the means that they Mm -hmm. had. I think in that exercise, exercise, doesn't she say to picture your your parent as a child going through what they went through and then go visit them as an adult and console them. Yes. And that was huge for me. So my mom's mom died when she was pretty young and that really helped me forgive her just being like, you know, in my head, being with her, seeing, you know, seeing that, like how hard that must have been. It's a really powerful exercise. Really powerful exercise. Well, I didn't expect that to come up in our discussion today, but well, I love it. Good. <laughs> Personal development. Yeah. Well, and I think that really it ties into the inner child and overcoming fears too, because like I get a lot, I have really, I have had, I've overcome a lot of it, imposter syndrome. And it came from my childhood like you're, someone's going to find you out because my parents had that, that mindset. And so they kind of instilled it in me. So, you know, it kind of seeing and recognizing and learning about your parents' inner child helps you overcome, I think, your fears that you have today. Exactly. Well, well said. <laughs> well, you, the exercises that you brought up, it, it, Amazing. That's why I said it. (laughs) So do you have a specific process or routine you do before you get on stage? So for example, uh, my first mentor, before she speaks, she doesn't drink any coffee. Mm -hmm. She tries to keep her like nerves down and keep calm so she doesn't get the jitters. Do you do anything like that? Of course, I take care of my diet and I reduce the caffeine. That morning, if it's in the morning, I I will not drink coffee. Of course, I would not drink alcohol the the night before. So because I want all my energy to be, you know, uh, nice and fresh and available to me. Right. I will not eat, or I would have a really light snack before going up on stage, and that's because I move a lot. Mm -hmm. Other other speakers are not like that. I did notice that. I move a lot. It's better not to have a full stomach while doing all that stuff on stage. Okay. Another thing I do, this might sound silly, but I go into a bathroom so people don't think I'm crazy. And I start laughing. Oh. Like forced, forced laugh. Like fake laugh? Like ha 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 Exactly. Which ends up... Always ends up being a re- real one because I oh, laugh at yeah. self laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. What fun. that does is relaxes the diaphragm, and then I'm able to relax a little bit more and get better breaths while I'm speaking. Oh yes, okay. I yeah. I keep picturing myself speaking and I'm not breathing. 
Mm. Most women, though, speakers have this uh, sense that if they breathe through their belly while on stage, people will think they're fat. Oh. Because in order to breathe through your belly, you have to expand your belly, right? Right. right. Yeah. Well, here's the news. People do not care about how you look. People care about the message that you're going to, to convey. Right. And unless you are some kind of a celebrity or you're, you know, your friends are in the audience, nobody's actually coming to see you. They're coming to learn something from you. Yeah. That day, it happens you to be the me- that you are the messenger. That's all. So please, by all means, breathe through your belly. Because that's another thing. It will add to your calmness and you will feel more centered while speaking. Mm, That is great advice. When I first started my YouTube show, I was too anxious. You know, I I wanted it to be good. So in my effort, in my stress, I forgot to breathe. Mm -hmm. So I was breathing from my chest and I will not tell you how it was. You can go back and see the first, the few first episodes. It was horrible. Oh. I, could, I could not even listen to myself. It was a high-pitched voice, tight neck, a tight mm. throat. Horrible. The moment I realized that. that, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you can see that. Can anyone see it or just you because you know yourself? Well, I, um, people can see. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The moment I brought my breath down to my belly, I realized that it became more resonant and more influential. People mm-hmm. were, would listen. Um, I would have more views on my uh, YouTube channel. And also, I felt better. I felt more comfortable speaking. So throw a few laps before your uh, speaking engagement and then breathe from your belly. And do some push-ups. And the push-ups. You like the push-ups. I like the push-ups. I I love that idea. (laughs) So what would you say to someone who's considering a career in public speaking? Like a kid at a high school, doesn't have a ton of life experiences, but wants to be on stage. Here's a trick. You don't have to have a life experience. Hmm. You have to be inspired by someone else's life experiences. I mean, uh, think of the ancient art of storytelling. Mm -hmm. There was always someone that was sharing a story about someone else. Either that was a fairy tale, allegory, or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. Think of that and find a way that is comfortable for you to share this story and then go out and share it. How do you get people to let, give you the opportunity to be on stage? You ask. <laughs> Find a way that is comfortable for you so you can make the ask and say, oh, I have an idea and I would like to share it. Or I have a story I would like to share. When you, said, when you get this yes, practice, practice, and practice a little more, and then just go and share it. Do you memorize every speech you give? I practice a lot so I can be so comfortable on stage because on stage, it's never going to be the same, even Mm -hmm. if you memorize word for word. So I do not recommend memorizing. What I do suggest is practice so many times that is the talk is engraved on your body. Okay. That means... Use your body while you're speaking. Do not stand still. Mm -hmm. Because with every gesture, your body will remember muscle memory, right? Will remember what you wanted to say. And because the stress factor is always there in every, every speaker, you have to practice so much that despite the stress factor, you will perform. Right. Your body will have literally have your back. (laughs) because <laughs> it has those I mean, you already have those pathways in your brain right you already made it exactly nice i love it i love it i was a maid of honor in a wedding last summer so i had to give a speech and i wrote it like six months out and i said it in the car i said it in the shower i just said it over and over and over again and it was different when i gave it but 
it was the speech, you know, I went a little off the cuff, but I felt comfortable doing it. And I thought I was going to throw up <laughs> the day of, but it actually wasn't that bad. And I think it's because I put in the work to practice and I made it a point, like I didn't want note cards or paper. I wanted to be able to speak to the audience and to the couple getting married, but it's terrifying. And we, for some reason, I think we all eventually have to pub- do something where we have to stand up and talk, right? Exactly. Public speaking is any kind of speaking that is outside of yourself. I mean, we have the self-talk and everything else is speaking in public. Every speaking is speaking in public. Oh, wow. That's great. How do you feel about public speaking right now? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You have a podcast. You're doing great. I'm a public speaker. Yes, you are. (laughs) I love it. Uh, That is such cool perspective. You know, even even for the audience, like I went to a Build Your Empire event. Have you heard of Build Your Empire? Mm -hmm. They do like conferences every quarter and they bring in great entrepreneurs and speakers. And I know that some of them are nervous, but you very rarely, I can tell. Is that what you found? Like I've always told myself before I speak, they are not going to know. And that's what I've always been scared of. Like I'm scared someone's going to know that I'm freaking out inside like a duck on water. I'm calm on top of my legs are just like freaking out underneath. (laughs) What do you say? Do you think, do you agree with that? Or can you always tell when someone's nervous? No, I cannot tell. And there's no way anybody can tell whether you're nervous or not. Okay. But because we all going to be nervous, what I'm saying is practice enough. So when you are up there and nervous, your body will just be present. You will be present. The moment you are present in the moment, this uh, connection with the audience will be more impactful and more real. And that's what the audience was, any kind of audience, even if it's, you know, a technical presentation, they want to see the real you. Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen a lot of uh, speakers that are too buttoned up and too tight and too proper and too serious. We, I believe the audience wants to see the real you, to see the passion. Why sharing this idea? Why, why making this presentation? Mm-hmm. And to connect. And to connect, exactly. So you are a hypnotherapist. Yes. Okay, so someone told me once that public speaking is like anyone that public speaks is hypnotizing their audience. Is that true? Hypnotizing, it's another way of saying influencing, right? Okay. So like, do you do the clock or, you know, the swinging pocket watch? And I I don't believe any hypnotherapist does that, but it's really... Really cool to see it on uh, movies, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's not how it works. No. Okay, so if you hypnotize me, will I forget at all? No. Okay, okay. No, not at all. So Have you ever uh, tried meditation? Yes, I love meditation. Gu- guided meditation? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's oh. really similar to this. Yeah. So in meditation, we have suggestions like close your eyes, take a breath, relax, feel, scan your body, right? We have suggestions like that. It's the same thing in hypnosis. Mm, right. The goal is to get to this relaxed state. We are open and susceptible to suggestions like you are no longer afraid of speaking in public. You are a confident public speaker. And then the subconscious mind goes, whoop, okay, I'll take this. And that's what we're doing with hypnosis. We are making, we're writing on our hard, hard drive. We're putting information so we can have it automatically accessible when we need it. Mm, that's good. I love it. Affirmations, right? So affirmations, if you listen to have affirmations, you're being hypnotized. <laughs> exactly. In, in this world, everything is uh, hypnosis. I mean, think of advertisement, right? Oh, yeah, totally. They tell you, buy this car and you'll be more attractive. Buy this Mm -hmm. bra and you'll be more sexy, right? It doesn't have a a direct correlation that you'll be happier if you have this bra or you'll be happier if you have this car. But people are convinced and they buy based on that. Right. Right. It's incredible. That is incredible. That is incredible. Wow. Even just... Like the media body image stuff, right? 
exactly. like they're not saying you need to look like this, but somehow that message is, is there, is there. Oh, wow. So would you recommend public speaking as a career or is it something that comes out of something else? So like it, you started videos and public speaking sort of came out of that. Would you recommend it as, you know, I want to be a public speaker. I'm going to just, that's my goal. I'm going to start here and try and earn a living by public speaking. Is it a good career to go into is what I'm asking. It is a good career if you're willing to put the time and effort to it. Someone said that you have to be on stage like every day for 20 years Oh my gosh. to be a good public speaker. Although I do not, I, I, haven't real, I haven't decided if I will take this suggestion or not. I believe that if you're willing to put the effort and you are authentic with yourself and honest with yourself, go for it. Because in public speaking, once you're on stage, you cannot lie. People can tell. Yeah. Totally. You have to be authentic. So in that sense, I, I often suggest to the public speakers, um, my clients on public speaking, to do a little inner uh, decluttering and a little inner work, not just to strengthen their confidence or overcome their stress and their fears, but to realize who they truly are. And this is how I tie everything with my TEDx talk, because when you know who you truly are, nobody can take that from you. Mm. And not from an egoic state, not from a state of ego, but it's a state, in a state of inner understanding and inner peace. Wow. When you know who you are, you can go up on stage, have the jitters and do it anyway. Right. Because they can't take it away. Exactly. Oh, I love that. That's great. Who's your favorite uh, public speaker? Just curious. I would say Brene Brown. Allow, I like how vulnerable she is. Yeah, she's, she's good. A, she's a woman who knows who she is. Totally. The, her transfer of energy is so good. Did you know she's never watched her TED Talk? Oh, no. Really? Yeah. Well, the last, the last I heard, she might have since then. I think I heard that a year or two years ago. But yeah, she has never watched her TED Talk. I think that is just incredible because it's an amazing TED Talk. Mm -hmm. Well, in that first TED Talk she gave, she was freaking out. Can freaking you tell? Out. You no. cannot tell. Nobody can tell. You cannot tell one bit. Yeah. That's how it usually happens with most speakers. They are terrified, but you cannot tell. Well, and it's so admirable because she, she shares that she's terrified, but to see her get up on stage and, and do it anyway and face her fears and to us confidently do it, it's motivating and empowering. And same with you. When I saw your TEDx talk, it's motivating to know that you have all these techniques and this stuff and you put in all this work, work to really hone in on your skills to be a public speaker. And I love that. But I would say to, to anyone that uh, considers public speaking, there's a lot of information out there. Watch a few keynote speeches or TEDx talks. And for the ones that you like, follow this person in social media and see how they do mm -hmm. and what do they do. Because there's, it's not just the 20 minutes that you are on stage or the one hour and the t or the 10 minutes. It's all the hours behind that. That's the end result. The blood, sweat, and tears that is behind the scenes that we, we do not see is there. Mm -hmm. So if you're willing to go through this process, I would say go for it. Go for it. Is there a training program you can recommend? <laughs> is, it, is this a good time to recommend my training program? Yes. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> so I offer a six-month uh, training program where we meet weekly and we, we follow the whole curriculum of how to uh, create a talk how to present, how to deal with your state, and what kind of language to use to influence people. Mm. Now, and then we have the feedback, and there's a lot of practice, and that's one way to work with me. Okay. Is that one-on-one? -on -one? That's one-of-one, one, yes. Wow. Okay. I'm about to release an uh, online course where people can take it on their own time, and... My favorite way of working with people is coming up my first retreat in Greece 
oh, wow. six-day retreat where we would see how to put your story, put your idea, put your presentation into your body and use your body to actually deliver it in wow. a way that makes sense to you and to your audience. And at the end of this retreat, we're going to have an audition where people that are the participants from the retreat will audition in front of an audience of three different TEDx organizers and have a chance to be in one of their next events. Wow, that is cool. I love it. That is so cool, yes. That is so (laughs) cool. Oh my gosh. How many attendees do you think will go to Greece? Do you know yet? I don't know yet. Yeah. Okay, I well, want to keep it short. I want to keep it small. under 20. Yes. Under 20. Wow. So you can work really closely with them. That's amazing. Exactly. I love that. Well, I have like a million more questions that I would love to ask you, but we're coming up on an hour. Oh, <laughs> it flew by. It flew by. This was so fun. Oh my gosh. I, you gave me a ton of information I've never heard before. I'm so happy. Yes. I love when that happens. I just, it like feeds my soul. I love it so much. Is there, before we sign off, is there anything like last piece of advice you can give? Anything you'd like to say to listeners? Well, since we are in the Unschool podcast, um, (laughs) before choosing your career, first of all, know that it will not be a death sentence. You can always change, right? Good, good, good. You can always change your mind and that's okay. Life is an experiment. Mm-hmm. Go out there and have fun with it. Mm. Be curious and open. See what comes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here with us, Carissa. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. That does it for this week's episode of Unschool. There's thousands of podcasts available and you chose to spend your time with us. And for that, we're eternally grateful. Don't forget to subscribe, review, comment, and share this podcast with others who might enjoy it. Stay curious and we'll see you next time.